Hi, everyone. This is Father Jim Churn, and you're listening to the Pope Benedict XVI School of Prayer podcast, where each week we are reflecting on the Holy Father's catechesis that were first offered back in 2011, uh, where he basically went through the foundational aspects of the life of prayer for, for humanity, as we've seen the last two weeks, you know, even before getting into the Judeo-Christian tradition. Um, he's been the last two catechesis focusing on just the natural aspect of prayer. So I know in the Facebook group I had mentioned I might be doing these reflections at the end of the Holy Father's talks each week and just doing one episode. I'm still trying to figure out whether to do one or two each week. Um, It was suggested by one member to keep it as separate as two different episodes uh, just to give everyone a chance to kind of reflect on on the Holy Father's words themselves and and just to kind of sit with it for a couple days. And if it, if you're anything like me, um, you might even have to have look up some words that you heard in the the, the Holy Father's address. Uh, Pope Benedict was a high intellectual, so even using words like homo religiosus, homo sapiens, and then homo faber, I'm like, what's homo faber? Uh, so I had to look that one up. I did understand homo sapiens being human, homo religiosus. I kind of understood that he was saying religion is a part of a person's nature and looking up homo faber that is latin for man the maker um, basically it's the idea that creativity is a human trait it's just an inherent human trait that leads us to make tools that makes us create art and, and things of that nature so the pope is basically saying that there's just something inherent about our nature just as we are human as a species, that we have creative abilities, we also have this religious nature that's about us, um, which I think for many of us is kind of a interesting thought to just kind of sit with. Um, and as the Holy Father states outright, you know, that so many people have seemed to walk away from God, that there seemed to be an eclipse of God in, in the recent decades, Um that there is almost an impulse to argue against that point. But Pope Benedict was talking about the fact that people of every time, every place, every culture, in some manner of being, find themselves kind of pondering all the same questions at, at some point. Um, on our college campuses, where we have Catholic campus ministry or even other Christian groups, you often find them engaging their fellow students with these questions as they do these outreach efforts. We call them the big questions. And that's where Pope Benedict was quoting that Vatican II document, uh, Nostra Aetate. (laughs) Yeah, I think I got that right. Um, Nostra Aetate, that's it. Okay, and in that document, (laughs) you're going to have to forgive me because I've decided I'm not going to keep re-recording. So if I just make mistakes, you can just laugh at me. Uh, so in that Vatican II document, there's a whole litany of questions that uh, Vatican II was reflecting on, saying that every human culture, every man at some point in their life kind of comes face to face with. Um, and they went, who am I? What is the meaning of life? What's the purpose of life? What's the meaning behind upright behavior? Where, where does suffering come from? What end does it serve? 
can genuine happiness be found? What happens at death? What's judgment? And so on and so forth. So those are the, the big questions. And like I said, every Christian, at least, denomination that I, I've seen on our college campuses will, will have these quote-unquote big question discussions and try to engage their peers with them. And I don't even know how many other books or programs that I've come upon that will also present the same things. And even when I think back to when I was studying philosophy in college, those questions were similarly presented and discussed, particularly when we were introduced to each of those ancient thinkers. Um, what did Plato think about that? What did Socrates have to say about those things? So those questions, every human being will come face to face with at some point in their lives. It's why they're so effective when you're doing an outreach with college students because it's usually at that age of 18 to 22 when they're just starting to be independent and taking steps into autonomy where whether they've had any religious upbringing or not, when they're confronted with them, it might be the first time they really reflect or even if they have had some religious upbringing and they're confronted with those questions, they might have to rethink everything for the first time in a long time where I'm not just going for confirmation class, but I actually wonder, what does this really mean? So the thing is, even though we're say, seeing that we see God has been eclipsed for people, they still have those same questions. But where I think there's considerable concern is that they're answering in all kinds of ways that inevitably lead to very destructive paths. When we're not finding those answers in God that can lead us into really warped and really challenging and difficult things. So the Holy Father who was born in 1927, while the First World War had only ended about nine years earlier, and he was 12 years old when World War II would break out and would be 17 before that was concluded. So his entire childhood was immensely shaped by the horrors of, of leaders who led vast numbers of people astray. And all those religious questions were finding purely secularistic and very power-hungry and purely ambitious answers that led to atrocities that even generations later still seem unreal. I often think about for us and for our generation and for myself, the effect of September 11th on me as a 27-year-old who was only two years of being a priest and lived five, 15 miles from where the World Trade Center stood. You know, even with all those realities at that time when, when Pope John Paul II was begging and pleading for there not to be a, a military response, I remember finding myself not wanting to hear that and was more readily listening to politicians than to faith leaders as what should we do in response to this, which I'm very embarrassed to think back to. Even now, it's in 2024, where a few, a few years post-pandemic, as we see war breaking out in different corners of the world, we've been confronted with all kinds of challenges that were unthinkable a decade ago. I was sharing all this not to to trigger bad emotional memories in order to pick at wounds that may still be far from healed. But I think it's important for us to realize how the events and the situations and the problems and crises that affect and afflict us 
can have an effect on, on our religious life and in our prayer life, whether it's these global major events or even more localized when it's a personal thing like an illness, a loss of a loved one, a struggle at work. It can become opportunities where we start finding those religious questions of humanity being answered in non-religious ways. Whether it's someone who treats a politician almost like a deity or the other extreme where a politician the other day was saying government does everything for us. Where I'm like, no, that's probably not a good thing. We shouldn't be looking to the government to take care of everything for us. Or when people apply that kind of fidelity that they would normally reserve for God towards their career or just taking care of themselves on on a very temporal level. So as Pope Benedict lays out the human nature to religion, he reminds us that prayer itself is difficult, even for the Pope. As we come to the idea that prayer means feeling that the world's meaning is outside of the world. And I think that that makes us really uncomfortable. Um, just as the, the, that posture of kneeling that the Holy Father was referring to. You know, I think because kneeling is such a, a common part of our worship and our experience of going into a church or a chapel, that maybe we don't think of what that posture communicates to us. And the Holy Father observed it. In kneeling, I'm declaring my limitations, my, my being in need of another. I declare I'm weak, I'm needy, I'm a sinner. Pope Benedict concludes these two introductory teachings, reminding us that ultimately, though, for the Judeo-Christian, prayer is a relationship. God has revealed to us himself gradually and then fully in Jesus Christ and is constantly calling us into a relationship with him, which is infinite love. So next week, we're going to start hearing how the Holy Father reflects on God starting to reveal himself through the Old Testament and then ultimately, obviously, will bring us to the New Testament. And he's beautifully set the stage for us to reflect on on that inner longing within every human being for God. And now he's going to help us unpack how that's been revealed. So I'm excited to continue on this journey with all of you. I appreciate any of your thoughts and questions and further reflections. So I, I invite you, encourage you to to go to our Facebook group and to just add them. And um, I'll try to include them in in future ramblings that I I share with all of you. Uh, Again, thanks so much for for participating in this. Uh, I'm excited to share the Holy Father's words with you and find myself getting more and more excited as I keep rereading these myself. Um, Pope Benedict has so much to offer us and so much clarity and so much beauty in his teaching. So thank you so much. I, uh, I'm praying for you. I ask for your prayers. And please feel free to, to share this podcast with anyone who might benefit or might be interested. Thanks so much. God bless you.